Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. At this time, I'd like to ask anyone who is a veteran to please stand so that we can recognize you. We want to thank you for your service, and we also have a gift for you out in the lobby at the welcome desk. So if you're a veteran, please stop by that welcome desk and uh, pick up the gift that uh, we have for you today. We thank you so much for your service. You know, I think that probably one of the moments that the service of our veterans impacted me the most was almost 20 years ago. It was actually 19 years ago. I was a reporter for KUAM News on the island of Guam. And that July, July 21st of 2004, was the 60th anniversary of the liberation of Guam uh, from their occupation during World War II. Guam went through a lot during that occupation. They suffered. And they desperately wanted to be freed And to this day, Guam is grateful to the veterans that came and freed them from the occupation that they'd been under. And that happened on July 21st, 1944. 60 years later, as a reporter, I was given the opportunity to go interview some of those veterans who had come onto the beaches of Guam The United States and Guam had partnered to fly any vet who had been a part of liberating Guam to come back to the island and to be celebrated there. And so my job was to do interviews. And I went up to Anderson Air Force Base, and it was one of the more memorable uh, moments in my reporting career. And the one interview that sticks out the most to me was a gentleman who was kind of slow to be interviewed, but he kind of eventually was like, okay, I'll do it. He said, I don't really have much to tell. He's just a young guy. I can't remember how old he was. He was he, I remember I interviewed somebody that day who was 17. I'm not sure if he was that person or if it was somebody else, but he was in his teens. 
Okay, six years later, that makes him what? 68, 69, somewhere in, I'm sorry, 78, 79. My math's bad. Um, and he said, uh, here's what I remember. He said, I remember never being more afraid in my life before or since. It was my first time in combat. We get off the Amtraks um, and off these amphibious assault vehicles, right? Get onto the beach, heavy fire, start clawing our way a little bit inland. But by the time we're not completely into a place where we're safe, night falls. He said, so I dig a foxhole. And he said, I was on the front line. My foxhole was right at the front. I got into that foxhole, you know, 17, 18 year old kid. And I'd heard all these stories about how the enemy would infiltrate and, and get into the foxhole with you. And then it just became you and your knife versus them and whatever they brought with them. And so I'm seeing that foxhole wondering what's going to happen, terrified. And about 50 yards away, I hear rustling. A few minutes later, that rustling is only 25 yards away. And it is headed straight towards my foxhole. I am freaking out. Before you know it, it's only five yards away. He said, I grabbed my K-bar knife, got into the bottom, just crouched down, tried to remember everything I'd been taught. And next thing I hear this, thud right on the edge of my, of my of, 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 you know, right where I'm at. And I jump up, scream, bring my knife. And he said, and it's the biggest toad you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> so I nearly passed out. I was so happy. So we both had a laugh and he said, oh, that's it for me. And he started, he turns to walk away. Now all of his buddies are back behind the camera. And it's kind of an interesting to th see 70, 80-year-old men back in their teenage years reliving them, right? And one of his buddies says, tell them the rest of the story. And I will never forget the look in that man's face as long as I live. I cannot put it into words for you because he had just started to walk away. And he turns he glares at his friend, but there's just this haunted look in his face. I don't know how to describe it. This haunted look in his face. And he said, there's no more story to tell. That's all it, there's nothing else to tell. And he starts to, keep, starts to keep walking. His friend goes, oh, the rest of the story is about 30 minutes. One of, our, uh, one of the enemy jumped in the foxhole with him. For real. And you think there was screaming. There was screaming then. And the man turns and says, you shut up. There is nothing else to tell. I'm here. That's all there is to tell. And he walks away. What stuck with me was that 60 years later, that man was still caring 
hurt and pain. He was still carrying. He, it was vivid for him 60 years later. And as we celebrate Veterans Day this weekend, let's remember that just because a war's over doesn't mean that those who have come home don't come home carrying things with them. And we owe them gratitude for what they did and have done for us. Kind of appropriate that, that this day, and by the way, this is a picture from that liberation of Guam. It's kind of appropriate that on this day, we're talking about Psalms 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Truly that man had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Valleys are dangerous places. Valleys are dangerous places. This is a, a valley from the Middle East. Looks dangerous, right? Can you imagine walking through that with sheep? The dangers are, are many. There's boulders that can come down off the sides. If it rains really hard, there can be a flash flood. There can be robbers around the bend. Valleys are dangerous. They're dangerous for sheep. There's predators, terrain, the flash floods, everything I just mentioned. But the interesting thing is I was researching this. In the book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23, Philip Keller says that in spite of that, the valley is the safest way for the shepherd to lead the sheep to the higher ground. Keller says, there is no safer way. Yes, the valley is dangerous, but there is not a safer way for the shepherd to go if he wants to get his sheep to the higher ground where the better grazing is at. Because in the summers, the shepherds in the Middle East will take their sheep from the lowlands up to the highlands where there's going to be abundant pastures. If they stay in the lowlands, they're going to starve. And so they have to go through the valley to get to the highland. And Keller says this, as with ordinary sheep management, so with God's people. The only, one only gains higher ground by climbing up through the valleys. If you're like me, you don't like that. Keller must be wrong. There's got, you know, you guys ever watch, uh, you know, some of like the extreme snow skiing where they take somebody in a helicopter? That's what I want God to do, right? I don't want to hike to the top of that mountain. Just, just, just helicopter me up. Or at least give me a ski lift. You know, ski lift will do. And yet God says, this is the best and the safest way even though it is the valley of the shadow of death. Somebody who I thought really adds some perspective to this 
is a guy named Viktor Frankl. Viktor survived the Holocaust. Viktor was in four concentration camps, including Auschwitz. He survived the Holocaust. But his wife, who you see with him, she didn't survive the Holocaust. And his father did not survive the Holocaust. And his mother did not survive the Holocaust. And his brother did not survive the Holocaust. And many of his friends did not survive the Holocaust. I got to tell you, I, when I start talking about going through dark valleys and why there's a necessity for them, I feel like a very bad person to be pitching that to you. I have lived a really great life. I have gone through dark valleys, but nothing like going through the Holocaust. Nothing like the man that I told you the story of at the beginning. So I feel ill-equipped to preach at you about the necessity of valleys. valleys. But would you mind if I let you share what Victor has to say about them? I'm going to share with you a couple quotes from a book that he wrote called Man's Search for Meaning. These are taken from different places in the book. But I want to put them together to kind of share with you an overall thought that Victor has about valleys. And I want to start with this one. The way in which a man accepts his fate and all the suffering entails, the way in which he takes up his cross, gives him ample opportunity, even under the most difficult circumstances, to add a deeper meaning to his life. Do you hear that? The tough things that we go through are opportunities, according to Frankel, to add deeper meaning, not less meaning, but deeper meaning to our life. Frankel says this, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Sometimes that's what valleys do. They put us in a position where we have to choose to either fail or to change. You don't have it. It's one or the other. And as uncomfortable as the valley of the shadow of death is, sometimes change is what is needed. And the only way to inspire somebody who's comfortable to change is to make them uncomfortable. Frankel says this also. I know that without the suffering, the growth that I have achieved would have been impossible. I want you to hear that not from Ken, but from Victor, a man who survived four concentration camps, a man who lost his wife, lost his father, lost his mother, lost his brother, lost countless friends, says that. I know that without the suffering, the growth that I have achieved would have been impossible. In other words, back to what Keller said, to get to the higher ground, 
you have to go through the valley. This is what a traditional shepherd looks like in the Middle East. In his right hand, you're going to see an instrument that the psalmist speaks of. The psalmist says, I fear no evil for you are with me. So the valleys are necessary, but the thing about it is, is that the the shepherd doesn't send the sheep alone through the valley. The shepherd goes with the sheep through the valley. The shepherd is there protecting them with what you see in his right hand. It's a rod. Shepherds, according to Keller in the Middle East, will all fashion a rod, a stout, sturdy piece of wood to protect the flock with. It protects them from predators. But it also does something else. It actually is used for the sheep themselves. You think what? To to beat them, to make them go through the valley? No. Take a look at this verse in Ezekiel 20, verse 37. The New American Standard Bible is what we would call a word-for-word translation. The New Living Translation is what we would call a thought-for-thought translation. So in a word-for-word translation, the translators go through and they give you the exact word and what it means. In a thought-for-thought translation, the thought-for-thought translation is going to give you the idea because it knows that you might not understand what it means to pass under the rod. And what it means to pass under the rod means I will examine you carefully. Why? Because what shepherds would do is they would count their flock and they would have the sheep go underneath the rod. And if the, if the shepherd noticed that one of the sheep looked sick or looked like it was not walking well, he would stop the sheep and use the rod to, to pull back the wool to see if there were any cuts any infestations, anything that might be hurting that sheep. And so the rod was actually a tool for examining the sheep and making sure that the sheep were okay so that if there was something wrong, the shepherd could minister to that sheep. The other thing that a shepherd carried was his staff. And the staff was there not just for walking. I pull out these boots about once a year. This is the day. And I got to tell you, I don't walk well in heels. I need to learn. Well, maybe I don't. I don't know. I need to learn with boots. I don't know. My point is, the staff would be kind of handy when I'm standing up here. I've nearly fallen over a couple times already. But that's not the only thing that a staff is for when it comes to a shepherd. The shepherd used that staff to get sheep out of predicaments that they'd found themselves in. If they'd fallen down in a crevice, they could reach down and pull them out. Used to bring the sheep back into line when it needed to come into line. Keller actually tells a, a, a touching story about how when shepherds had a, a sheep that they feel especially close to, sometimes as they're walking, they would just put the staff on the side of the sheep to let the sheep know that they were there with them. It's beautiful, huh? Another thing that, that Keller talks about is how when sometimes when, when lambs are born, the ewes will walk off and leave that lamb. And that lamb really needs their mother. They need the mother to survive. And so the shepherd, he said, will take that crook of their staff and pick the baby lamb up with it and take it to where the mother is to reunite it. Because if the shepherd picked that 
baby lamb up with his hands, the smell of him might keep the mother from accepting that baby. And so he uses the crook to reunite. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the shepherd? So here's the thing. Stephen Cook, Dr. Stephen Cook from the Virginia Theological Seminary, put together this graphic. In the background, you see a shepherd, kind of in line drawing, it looks like. This is actually a cylinder, an ancient cylinder from the third millennia. And so when you roll it out, it creates that image. And it's the image of a shepherd, and you can see it's staff in one hand, rod in the other, leading sheep. The other thing that Keller shows us is a an uh, image of a pharaoh that was taken out of one of the, the pyramids. And it, what do you see in the pharaoh's hand? A rod and a staff. Why? Because royalty in those times adopted the symbols of authority and care from a shepherd and they made them into their own symbols of power. And what Cook suggests in the blog that I looked at was that the verse that we're looking at this week, the verse that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and staff comfort me. He suggests that this verse is a transition. That that what we're going to see next week is this banquet being prepared in the presence of enemies. And the the imagery there is of a king preparing a banquet. And he suggests that as we come to this verse, the writer is taking us and taking that sheep shepherd metaphor and saying, and God is a royal king. You can relate to this, who is now going to be preparing a banquet. And we're going to talk more about that next week. The point is that God, the sovereign God, the king of the universe, cares for you with a rod and a staff. A friend of mine this week, um, Betty Varhees, who is a counselor over at Advent Health University, did a worship over there this week, and it was so good, I have to borrow the, the illustration that she shared there. And the illustration is this. She, she said that there was a particular flight that had a lot of turbulence in it. Anybody ever been on one of those before? kind that make you, you know, you know, really get your prayer life going. <laughs> and this particular one was, they were dropping, like, you know, you know, the, you know the ones that I'm talking about, that you're like, this is, I did not want to go on a roller coaster today, and, and you're up and down, and, and it, sideways, and you're, we have to be getting close to the ground at this point. And she said, everybody on the plane was terrified except for one person, One person was sitting in their seat reading a book like nothing was happening. And the person sitting next to this person turned to her and said, how can you be so calm when we're about to die? (laughs) And the lady looked at her seatmate and said, well, my dad's the pilot and we're going home. I know I'm okay. Makes a difference when you know who's flying the plane. Family, dark valleys are necessary. But even if they weren't necessary, can we just agree they're inevitable? 
they're inevitable. Whether you're a Christian, agnostic, atheist, no matter who you are, dark valleys are an inevitable part of the human experience. They just are. And if you think back to some of the dark valleys in the rearview mirror of your life, you know that they've shaped your character and made you a better person. Not that you'd want to do it again, but you understand that they've taken you to higher ground. But what I also hope that you'll think about is whether you know that your shepherd was walking with you. Because when you know that the shepherd is with you in the valley, you don't have to fear because he is with you. How you doing, Pastor Ken? Just about like last time. Yeah. We did this first service, so. Did we? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. I must have been walking through the valley. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm you joking. should probably talk about it. I don't know if I should laugh about that. Well, I'm walking through a valley. My wife is not here. She's out of town. I'm sorry. That's, so, that is kind of sweet. Yeah. I hope she's watching. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> We'll, we'll cut a clip of it for you. No problem. Well, Pastor, I'm going to take a question from Facebook because usually we get it from the, yeah. from the online chat. But awesome. This one came from Facebook. It's from Ms. Brown. How is it decided what valleys we go through? And so we go through all valleys. It seems that some have more valleys than others. Yeah, it does. Um, I think that that's one of the things that um, I grapple with. Uh, I, it seems like some people live pretty charmed lives and other people seem like there's just a way un, unfair amount of adversity that they face. And uh, I, don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I, I don't. I don't understand it. Um, it's something that for me, I've had to come peace with, to peace with just trusting the shepherd okay. and, and just saying, I don't get this, doesn't seem fair to me, but I trust that you love this person, that you love me, and that you are still with these people um, through the adversity that they're facing. Well, it's true that I sometimes feel like that way too. I feel like October, I hate Octobers. And when I prayed and my prayer wasn't answered, it was like, how come they get answered and I don't? You know? It's a hard one. Yeah. Well, on a good note, October, I didn't get much to host in October. In October for us as a Hispanic culture is clergy month. Okay. I don't know if you got a gift or anything. But my family, my dad taught me that you take care of your pastors and you give them gifts throughout the month. And since I didn't get to see you much in October, my family has a gift for you. So I'm going to ask my helper to come up. And just so you know, this wasn't planned, but the gift that we made you has something to do with what you're showing us. Oh, that is awesome. So let me, let me model that. Can I, 
I'm sorry, I, didn't, I was going to give hugs out, and then I was thinking about putting it on, and oh well. So well, let me give well, you a hug. She, she's Thank a little you. mad because you beat her in rock, paper, scissors this morning. So. Yeah, now I feel a little bit bad about it. <laughs> no, I don't. All right, so. I'll get you next time. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, family. Um, if you had, did anybody hear that there's a barn party today? So, um, we'd love for you to stay. It's not too late to text your friends, anybody who lives here in the area. You're welcome to walk around the neighborhood and just tell them to come. It may, people might feel a little weird when you knock on their door, but you know, whatever. Um, we, uh, we actually have put out um, invitations to the Ivies, um, to Vita, um, to all the, the people living around here, because we want everybody to come just be a part of of the barn party this evening. It's, it's one of the ways that this church says to our neighborhood, hey, we love you. Thank you for letting us be one of your neighbors. So hope you're able to be there. If you're able to stay and help us do some setup from now until four, we'd love that. And we might even feed you some pizza if you do that. Um, I shouldn't say maybe, we will. Um, and then uh, if you're like, like if you like want to be the A student, the A plus student, you just start now and you go till about midnight because um, when we, we have to take down because we have uh, a wonderful church that uses our facility tomorrow morning and we have to have everything perfectly back in place uh, so that they can have an amazing worship service as well. So if you're able to help, we appreciate it. If you're not, you know, that's okay. We love you and we appreciate it. We just hope you'll be a part of it. Just be a part of some part of the barn party, all right? Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for being the God of the highlands and the God of the valleys. We thank you that you don't leave us alone in the valleys, that you walk with us through them. For Lord, for those who don't believe me when, they, when I say that you walk through them, may they feel your presence in those valleys. May they know that you're there. May they be able to see it. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, vets, don't forget to pick up the gift that we have for you out in the lobby by the welcome desk. Go to the welcome desk. Make sure you get that gift. I love you, family. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.